0: Hey folks, Shared here. Alexia Boulaghi is back as host, editor, and producer for another dual language episode. You are listening to the English version of that interview, and this week she's speaking with Marianne Perondois about Cremario and the EU in the Indo-Pacific. We are still looking for audio editors to add to our team, so if you're interested, please email us at ccontrol at simsec.org with your resume. Finally, I want to take the opportunity to recommend our partners in the SimSec Podcast Network, The Bilge Pumps. You can find Alex, Jamie, Drack, and Apollo of brew Bottles wherever you download your podcasts. On that note, I'll turn it over to Kimber's men. You're listening to Sea Control, hosted by the Center for International Maritime
1: Security. Aloha,
0: shipmates, and welcome back aboard Sea Control. Today, I'm joined by Marianne Perrondoise, and we are going to be discussing maritime security, France and Indo-Pacific strategies, and the CRIMARIO2 initiative. Marianne Perrondoise, welcome. Could you please introduce yourself
1: to our audience? Oh, hello, Alexia. I'm very glad to be here and to be invited to this uh, podcast. Uh, Well, to say a few words uh, about me, I, I am... A research fellow at the Strategic Institute for Research Topic at the Ecole Militaire in Paris, which is a multidisciplinary research center that depends on the Ministry of the Armed Forces. I'm there since 2015. My background is of Navy officer, but having a career more focused on strategic issues um, located on shore, I will say working in joint staff and, and policy planning department uh, more, uh, I confess, that um, having um, operational activity at uh, at sea. And as you know me, you know that I have some uh, consultancy and teaching activities. Um, you know that I am occasionally involved in this uh, EU capacity building project, Primao U, and uh, Concerning my uh, teaching activities, I'm a lecturer on maritime security precisely at Sciences Po Paris and uh, at the Catholic University at, uh, at Lille.
0: Thanks a lot, Marianne. And as a reminder, all opinions are our own and not reflective of any institution with which we may be associated. So to kick off this interview, I think it would be very useful to dive into the field of maritime security studies in Europe. Could you explain us what are the gaps and where do we stand?
1: Ah, you know that it is one of my favorite topics, Alexia, (laughs) yes, yes. Indeed, I I just think that uh, maritime issue and the teaching of maritime issue uh, is uh, very embryonic in in France and uh, in Europe. Although we, we have observed the development of uh, academic research on piracy, although there have been some quite interesting initiatives, I have in mind the creation of a research network uh, Safe Seas, thanks to Professor Beuger and Professor um, Edmonds. I have in mind also some very brilliant Academic uh, research: um, Basil Germon, uh, Alessio Badalano. They are conducted very smart maritime-oriented analysis. Well, I also can mention in France uh, a very recent initiative conducted by uh, La Sorbonne University. Um, I heard about the creation of an uh, institute for, for the ocean. And I think that with the emergence of topics like Indo-Pacific of uh, the blue economy, I think that there is a renewed interest in um, integrating this issue in the field of social science because there is a real interest on the side of the student. They very often choose geopolitical subject. You know, of course, maybe there is an efficient trend uh, in that, but I can tell you that when they had to choose their master's subject a dissertation, they usually go to the South China Sea, they go to piracy uh, in the Gulf of Guinea or, or, or the Arctic. And I think it's a very good thing. Thanks a
0: lot for your insight, indeed. Could you now put into perspective and compare both French and EU Indo-Pacific approaches and how they intend to deal with maritime security challenges?
1: I think that this approach, um, the approach of EU and France towards the Indo-Pacific have many, many, many points of convergence. Uh, of course, uh, I think it is quite um, important to, to mention the influence of France, uh, influence of other member states, such as Germany uh, and Netherlands, which so published some guidelines on the Indo-Pacific so that the EU committed itself to develop a specific strategy, taking into account, uh, I will say, its own interest, the significance of um, this area, but also insisting on the impact of the main topic in the area on, on its own stability and, uh, and, and prosperity. I think that they had some common identity because both the French and the EU approach are very cooperative or multilateral. They both insist on the respect of the international law, notably freedom of navigation, the interest of a joint approach. Uh, For global issue, I have in mind climate change, protection of the ocean, protection of biodiversity, importance of connectivity. There are many, many, uh, many aspects that are common to both actors. And I will also mention this um, accent, this emphasis on partnership, the importance, for example, of ASEAN, the importance of developing an inclusive approach, the refusal of a kind of a logic of confrontation, and you know that particularly uh, with regard to China, for example. And there is also this uh, will that is that EU and France, when it came to maritime affairs, are really to be recognized as credible security actor. And this is really something uh, very visible in the Indo-Pacific strategy of EU and France, of course.
0: Thanks a lot for your insights. And now let's dive into France and have a focus on that. So what do you think are the blue ambitions of the French presidency of the
1: EU? Yes, this is very, very interesting to to observe, you know, because uh, while France is a resident power in the Indo-Pacific. France has uh, maritime assets that are deployed on its territories in um, the Indian Ocean and the Pacific and um, want to be uh, recognized um, as I already said, like you, as a, an effective and a, a credible actor in, in the maritime. So all of these elements uh, and, and with the importance of the Security of the Maritime uh, in the Indo-Pacific are very present in the expression of this blue diplomacy by by France during the French presidency of the EU Council, apparently uh, until June 2022. And this diplomacy and this blue ambition, as we can say, is expressed in very um, interesting initiatives Many submit to submit diplomacy. We have uh, already um, a maritime security summit organized in Brest with the head of the navies of the EU member state. Another summit is devoted to to good governance and the protection of the ocean. I'm sure that many of us have heard about the one ocean summit also organized in Brest and organized with the cooperation of the United Nations and the World Bank. There will also be organization of another international summit dedicated to the Indo-Pacific and in the presence of the foreign affairs representative from the 27 member states, uh, but also in presence of their partner in the Indo-Pacific as a Japan and India so you can see uh, many many maritime related um, initiatives on the agenda of, of France currently.
0: Now I think it will be interesting for our listeners to have your insight as you are part of the Primario initiative and strategy. Could you explain how this whole Primario initiative emerged and was implemented in the Indian Ocean?
1: Uh, yeah, with pleasure, indeed, because I think it's um, a very interesting initiative. Um, but if you allow me, I, I will go back to the, to the history of uh, the CRIMARIO project because, well, a lot of people forget that CRIMARIO is initially a part of the Critical Maritime Road Programme, which is an extension of the EU initiative Dating back to the 2009, um, and which uh, initial objective was to protect maritime transport, was also to protect uh, some maritime activities, fishing, tourists against piracy, and with a focus on very vulnerable uh, spots in Southeast Asia and the Western Indian Ocean and the Gulf of Guinea. And the objective of this initial program was and is still to strengthen maritime capacity of the littoral state and particularly in uh, enhancing exchange of maritime information, reinforcing regional cooperation, notably with coast guard and uh, policing agency at the national level, at the regional level, but also Transregional level. And we had the first seconds with we can call Cremario one from 2015 to 2019, which aim was to, to support the development of the Djibouti Code of Condit and the emergence of the regional security architecture in the Indian Ocean with the creation of three maritime centers for information sharing, and it was, and it's still in, in Yemen, in Sanaa, in Tanzania, uh, and in Kenya. And uh, not to forget also the setup of a regional maritime training center, uh, still active in, in Djibouti. And, and then the role of Primario 1 was to consolidate this uh, architecture, And CRIMAIO did it by uh, developing a maritime information sharing uh, platform called IORIS and also by developing numerous training courses and specific formation for the littoral state, always with a spirit of developing cooperation and developing interoperability between all of these centres. Um, I would like to emphasize, and I think that it is one of the main reasons of the success of uh, Primario in the Western Indian Ocean region. That more recently, Primario has also supported the development of the Maritime Information Fusion Center created in Madagascar and also the operational center that was set up in the Seychelles as a part of a, a maritime safety programme that is implemented by the Indian Ocean Commission and also funded by the European Union. And now we are in a new sequence with crim 2 We can call it uh, like that. And the project has been renewed in uh, 2020, with an expansion in the south of the Indian Ocean, in Southeast Asia, and more recently, I I would say, uh, towards the South Pacific. We had, in fact, the global map of the Indo-Pacific with Primario. I would uh, underline the fact that Primario is perfectly, I will say, the reflect and a, a kind of concretization of the will of the European Union to take um, a very concrete part uh, in the maritime security of all uh, Indo-Pacific.
0: To pursue on that, uh, what are the main threats to maritime security in the Indian Ocean and East and South China Sea? What are the specificities proper to each area and uh, will these specificities affect the strategy, actually, and work of Cremario
1: 2 It's a complex question. What I can say about Cremario 2 from a geopolitical perspective is that it is a, an initiative that fits perfectly into the cooperation strategy that the uh, EU intend to implement through this uh, Indo-Pacific approach, with partners that has been identified for quite a long time. I already mentioned ASEAN, Japan, and India. And of course, this strategy includes concern to protect the major shipping lane, the sea lane of communication, the Malacca Strait, the South China Sea, and also the Babel-minded Strait. Of course, I guess the EU is is aware of the complexity and the diversity of the maritime security issue that cross um, all of this area, in particular accentuation of power rivalry between major players. And in its strategy, the EU clearly mentioned reinforcement of military capability in the area and mentioned particularly... China uh, mentions the Taiwan Strait, but also emphasis, attack on the rule-based international order, and of course, um, the weakening of the Montego Bay Convention. I think that in this respect, the threat analysis of EU is very lucid. EU is very lucid, I guess, uh, regarding its capacity, regarding its means what it can and what it wants uh, to implement. And in the approach of EU, uh, that means involving dialogue, involving cooperation. With the um, assessment of EU, again, there is clearly a, a kind of refusal of, of any confrontational posture. And the Crimario 2 project, which is based on information sharing support for regional law enforcement capacity in the, in the south of the Indian Ocean, in the Southeast Asia, and in the Pacific, well, meet this objective perfectly. In my view, uh, and this is my analysis, the Crimaya 2 project is not a, a technical operational project. It has a strong political strategic component. It allows the EU to become in Involved in regional maritime security in a very concrete, in a very sustainable way, it enables um, EU to effectively strengthen partnership in the region. Well, this is uh, <laughs> this is my view. and it's very enlightening
0: and interesting. So now we can focus on Cremolio too and uh, the objectives behind it. So what are its main objectives and in which way does it answer a need uh, facing uh, the threats in uh, maritime security in the short run, but also in the longer run? And can you give a perspective on that?
1: Yes, with pleasure. I think that Primario in, One, in fact, has a legacy and has been seen as contributing very effectively to the, I will say, uh, security and stability of the region. And the objective of CRIMARIO2, of course, is to give more substance to the cooperative approach of uh, EU as uh, expressed in its Indo-Pacific strategy, a multidimensional approach, and, of course, its ambition to contribute not only to, to a safer maritime uh, governance in the region, but also to, uh, I will say, a healthier maritime governance, because this is not only supporting the capacity of the Coast Guard in the region, this is also, you see, taking into account many other problematic than strictly maritime security linked to the protection or the monitoring of the EEZ, This is going quite beyond piracy, beyond illegal fishing, but also taking into account uh, biodiversity, impact of climate change on the coastal population. And this is a specific concern when you look at the South Pacific. So there is the objective to reinforce the coastal means of Coast Guard in the region and to face and to to help them to to face in a very uh, much effective way to all of these tasks coming from, I will say, classical maritime security uh, approach or new uh, non-traditional security um, approach.
0: To conclude, I would like to ask you about the challenges of the EU and put an emphasis on that. Uh, can CRIMARIO build momentum to allow for the framing of the Indo-Pacific as a strategic security setting within the EU? As you have uh, underlined, France has been a strong proponent of this. And this uh, can it in turn allow for strengthening of EU actors in the Indo-Pacific. As we know, the EU is uh, very diverse and there are a lot of interests. And how can it challenge EU strategic position
1: in the Indo-Pacific? I would say yes. I would say yes, indeed. My thinking is that Primario is a tool uh, among many others and uh, I would underline again that there are many convergence in France and EU approach to uh, the strategic security in in the Indo-Pacific, and also um, a real willingness to be recognized on both sides as uh, an active and a visible player. And of course, there is quite a a difference, of course, uh, in the position of France, because France is a resident power. But in a way, for France, relying more on the EU pillar is a way to reinforce its place, is a way to reinforce its uh, influence in the region. And for for both EU and France, I think that there are benefits in this common vision, in this common approach, because both of them finally... They can go through what we call a blue diplomacy. EU and France can take part to dialogue within the main regional organization, within the main maritime forum of, uh, of the region. And I have in mind, of course, ASEAN, uh, the Indian Ocean Commission, AYORA, the Pacific Island Forum, specific initiatives like IONS, where France is a member and where EU can be inviting. I have in mind the Agam structure devoted to the coast guard in in the region. Apart from this um, blue diplomacy, there is this soft security approach with Capacity Building Initiative and Primario is one of those. And of course, I will also mention something relying more on our security approach when France or EU occasionally are deploying a naval Platform are deploying frigate or aircraft carrier in the region to take part to major exercise with the US fleet, with Japan, with India, or um, ASEAN naval um, element. Thank
0: you so much for this final note. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank my guest, Marianne Perrondoise. Uh, Marianne, where can we find you online, and what are you working on next?
1: To be frank, I have plenty of work that I need to, to finish, actually. Well, um, I'm quite active, and I try to stay active on my uh, Twitter account. when you can uh, see uh, one of uh, my occupations. And uh, well, I'm working, of course, on the Indo-Pacific and, uh, and trying to elaborate a, a little more uh, regarding the posture uh, of the different actors that are developing this uh, Indo-Pacific vision. We spoke quite a lot today uh, of France and EU, but there are so many uh, other partners. And uh, I'm quite interested in the ASEAN posture and vision regarding this uh, Indo-Pacific posture.
0: Thanks. Good luck. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.